What is up and welcome back to Zen Business, the show that studies health and mindfulness habits that ultra high performers use to reach the top of their industry and their craft. I'm your host, Jonathan Maxim, Managing Director at K&J Growth Hackers and founder of five digital companies. We've grown these companies to great levels and created an exciting and fulfilling life for our team members, but the truth is it was much more challenging than we ever could have imagined. All right, now let's jump in. I'm excited to be chatting today. You know, I've... Uh... I've, I've watched a lot of your work and I've, I've seen the kind of impact that you have on people. I've, I've volunteered at the events and seen, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, giving a homeless person a backpack with the supplies or wrapping Christmas presents, it's really been a rewarding thing to, to be a part of that. So um, I'm pumped to chat today. Um, as you may or may not know, Zen Business is about executives who use mindfulness and health and and mental state to improve their life and their business. And so that's that's really what I want to dig into today. But, you know, just to get us started, for those in the audience who are, who are new to Dan Fleischman, you know, can you just provide a quick backstory on yourself? Sure. So the fast forward version is I started in high school. I was working three jobs to save up money to go to college. And instead I took that money and I put it into starting a company. So I went to a clothing convention and I thought my $43,000 that I saved was going to last me a couple of years, last me a couple of months. <laughs> but we were, able to, we were able to write over a million dollars in orders at our first show. But now was the hard part. Now I got to come up with 500 grand to make the clothing, to sell it. But also, who's going to make it? Who's going to ship it? Who's, you know, I didn't know that stuff. I was 17 and a half, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that was the beginning of my journey. Um, by 19 years old, we did $9.5 million. 23, we took it public on the stock market. From 23 to 27, I really don't remember. I just sell, 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 sell. Got into 55,000 retail stores. Um, and then after that, on the 10-year anniversary, I decided, you know what? I've done the same company my whole life. I want to put another feather in my cap. I'm going to start an online poker site. So I resigned from the company that I built from high school. And I decided I'm going to pick up, put on a backpack, and move to a place called Malta. Never heard of Malta. I lived there. What? Yeah, I lived there for a year. Really? I, I had no idea you went to Malta because most people, I don't talk about it because most people don't know what it is. Right. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. But it's so, awesome. Uh, I went into the Hilton in Portobasso, and I got a room there for a couple of days, found a lease, and I ended up moving into that building, that little building right next door. And I lived there for a couple of years and built an online poker site. That's the, so, that place is like the hub for online gambling. Now that I yeah. remember, all my buddies worked in online gambling there. Yeah, exactly. So did that for a couple of years, built the third biggest poker brand in the world. No way. Boom, online poker gets shut down in America. I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do now? I had a company doing millions of dollars a month. They were off to the races. It was crushing it. And then <sighs> online poker shut down in America. So that's when I realized I don't want to have all my eggs in one basket ever again. And that's why I decided, you know what? I'm going to become an angel investor. So I started consulting for four different uh, uh, land-based casinos and one large company, Morgan Stanley, and just helping them figure out the gaming space. Wow. So from there, I started angel investing and I started a social media agency. Now we spend around $60 million for brands, products, and mobile apps with influencers. That's my day job, if you will, last seven years. And... I like to throw these large-scale live events as kind of my networking and my giving back to the entrepreneur community for everybody to meet each other called Elevator Nights. Those are free. There's no tickets, no sponsors, no sales on stage. It's just 
I bake free event. We've done 38 of those. And then I do have a monetized version, which is only for 100 people, uh, called the 100 Man Mastermind. And that helps me pay for a lot of stuff now because for six years, I was spending six figures a year on my own. So I've spent well over a million dollars keeping those things free. Now I have all this extra revenue that I can make those even bigger and waste even more money. <laughs> keeping it free. For, I'm keeping that free for everybody. So uh, to ultimately reinvest it again. Yeah. And at the same time, we built 100millionacademy.com, which is my big passion project that similarly, like I'm not caring about the finances of it. I'm spending six figures a month. Let's go. Let's go. Let's make this thing wow. Netflix for entrepreneurs. Ultimately, to have like this long-term you know, Netflix style online training so that you can still watch Netflix at nighttime and have fun and you know veg out and just watch silly stuff like Tiger King. Or in between there or after that, you can actually learn from people that have built these large businesses. Yeah. Imagine a world where that was like the pleasure consumption content, right? Where it wasn't like wasteful time, you know? I mean, I don't want to see, say vegging out is wasteful. There's a time and place for it. But if sure. that was what teens were leisurely consuming, imagine the rewiring of people's brains. Right. They were enjoying listening to Jay Shetty and Jim Quick. Like Exactly. Our world would be so different. Instead of like Tiger King memes, it would be like Jim Quick memorization memes. <laughs> That'd still be fun. So you've spent over $100 million on influencer marketing. You've built an audience of 455,000 fans around your personal brand and hundreds of millions more on other brands like Dan Bilzerian and Lindsay Pelas and so many more. Steve Aoki's your best man. But yet all... Investing in 36 companies, I've done my share. I've, I've got five angel investments right now. I know how much you get pulled. Yep. I guess what I'm so curious about is like how your mind works. You know, like how do you keep so calm through all this? Like you're soft-spoken, you don't brag, you don't drive a Lambo. I don't have a car. I haven't owned a car in five years. It's that I don't mind failures. I don't mind messing up. My ego, I don't, like if right now, while talking to you, a bird pooped on my shoulder. I, I wouldn't care if you guys saw a bird poop on my shoulder. If I fall on stage, I'll get up and I'll keep talking. You guys aren't going to be in my funeral, right? Like it's not, wow. I don't care. We're, we're a speck of dust. You know, we're here for a hundred years out of a bazillionism of years, right? Like we're nothing. So to me, I don't care what people think about that. As long as I know that I work relentlessly, I'm doing what I can to do it right. I don't screw anybody over. If I just do the things right, do I care what people think? There, there are always going to be people that are mad at you or trolls or hate you or love you or this or that. It's, I can't juggle that. I don't care. And so I don't need to have a fancy car because I'd rather own a piece of a car company. <laughs> you know, like. Wow. That's definitely something to just let sink in. So, I mean, how do we achieve a mindset like that? Like, is this from years and years of backbreaking work and learning hard lessons or is this just the way you were wired? So I think it was just realizing that when things go bad, nobody's there. When Black Friday happened, which is when online poker was shut down in America, you know, right before that, I was throwing huge celebrity events with Playboy Playmates and models and photo shoots and Dan Bilzerian and Steve Aoki and all these, you know, or on TV, uh, yachts and jets. And then boom, online poker shut down. How do you think my phone was for that next month? Oh my God. I didn't hear anybody, right? Nobody. Everybody goes quiet. And so I realized that, what did I care? I'm not saying they shouldn't have been there during the good times and I need them during the bad ones. I just realized that they're not going to be there for the bad ones. And so I became numb to 
caring what people thought in that sense. And that was a big wake up moment that because the four years prior, all I did was work. I was by myself. Right. And so for me, when I realized that they're not going to help me go get sales, they're not going to help me if I can't make payroll. They're not going to help me if my investor is upset. They're not going to help me during the struggles. Mm-hmm. If I miss my flight, they're not there. Like if I cut my knee, they're not wiping it. They're, they're just not there for those things. So on the flip side is, why do I need to impress them? And who is them anyways? But why do I need to impress them? I don't need to have a fancy car to impress them. I don't need to do X, Y, and Z to impress them. I don't need to shave to impress I don't care. I work. <laughs> like I work, I work, I work, I work, I work. I try to help as many people as I possibly can. And in that process, I'm happy. Wow. And good stuff happens, right? Like, I mean, by default, by default, it happens. If you just do lots of work, if you just sell, 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 if you just do what you say you're going to do, by default, you will stand out amongst everybody. Being impeccable with your word. That's, that's my pursuit for this year is just be impeccable with your word. If you make a promise you don't want to keep, follow through on it anyway so you learn your lesson, you know, do it again. Or better yet, deliver what you're promising and have an awesome result and be really happy with your client or whatever. <laughs> so are you naturally like very calm? Like were you introverted when you were younger, like as a kid and then, you know, learn to speak on stage or what is the genesis of, of your personality development look like? So I'm, I'm introverted now. If, if you and I went to a, a party together and it wasn't my party, I wouldn't go talk to Lindsay Pellis or Dan Bilzerian or Steve Aoki or pretty much anybody in the room. I wouldn't. It's just not my nature. Mm-hmm. Not that I couldn't, but I wouldn't. Flip that around. I throw all these events so people come to me. Lindsay Pellis comes to me. Bilzerian comes to me. Aoki comes to me. All my These are my friends. But if I was at someone else's birthday party, I wouldn't go walk up to them. I mean, I mean beside my friends, but I wouldn't go up to a stranger. And so I realized that because I'm introverted in that sense, I can speak a lot when spoken to, but I'm not going to initiate the conversation. I realized that many years ago, and that's when I decided I'm going to throw charity poker tournaments. I'm going to throw elevator nights. I'm going to throw dinners with 10 to 20 people at a time every single week just to like be the host. And so everybody talks to me, introduces me to who I want to meet. I don't even have to ask for it. It just happens because I'm the host. And so yeah, I've done hundreds of events because I know who I am. I know I'm not, if I go out with you to a bar, there's 0% when I walk up to somebody. Wow. I think the, the level of ownership that you have with that is what's so liberating about it for you. It's like, okay, I don't prefer to do that. So I'm going to do what I do prefer to do, which is have events and people will automatically go through you to other people because they want a warm introduction, right? It's pretty natural. Yeah. yeah. I heard in another interview, you said, uh, somebody asked you like what the key to success in making it, especially here in Los Angeles where it's pretty cutthroat and people get chewed up and spit out a lot. And you said two words, host events. And that stuck with me because, you know, having been somebody who attends your events, but, you know, just looking at also my own events, it builds bridges so quickly. You know, you escalate social stratus. (laughs) So, I mean, you can connect with anybody. Let's say you, you like cars and you're 18 years old and you love Ferraris and Lamborghinis. Okay, June 15th on a Sunday, say, I'm going to throw a Ferrari and Lamborghini events. And then you call up a place that has a big parking lot. You're like, hey, I'm going to bring you a bunch of Ferraris and Lamborghini owners and fans to your parking lot this Sunday, June 15th. Is that cool? Of course, they want a bunch of rich people and fans to be there. 
great. Now you call the restaurants and say, hey, I got a bunch of Ferraris and Lamborghinis coming June 15th to this parking lot. Do you guys want to set up your food truck there, set up your restaurant there and catering there? Of course they do. They want to cater to a bunch of rich people. Did you notice what I did? I haven't called a single Ferrari Lamborghini on a Ferrari either. Right? I'm 18. <laughs> I'm 18 years old. I don't have a Ferrari Lamborghini. I haven't invited a Ferrari Lamborghini person yet. But now what happens? Now I call up the Ferrari dealership, the Lamborghini dealership. I go look on social and look up the hashtags Ferrari, Lamborghini, everybody in Orange County. I'm like, wait a minute. Who's Manny Koshbin? Manny Koshbin? Oh, he's got Bugatti. He's got $26 million in cars. Is this a true story? No, I'm just, I'm just using an example. <laughs> okay. This just sounded like it, but continue, continue. I've done different versions of this. You call up Manny Koshman, you message him, hey, Sunday, June 15th, I got this parking lot in Orange County. It's like 20 minutes from where your place is. Could you bring some of your Bugattis over? And he'll be like, oh, that sounds like a great event. I'm excited for it. I'll see you then. By the way, I have these four friends. Can I invite them? Oh, sure. And they invite his four friends. And one of them happens to be at Dan and I, the guy that has like hundreds of millions of dollars of cars. Great. He's like, you know what? I have supercar Blondie. She's going to be in town. She's got like $10, $20 million of cars. She wants to come. Can she cover the event? You're 18 years old. You've spent $0. And look at the snowball and avalanche that's starting. Wow. Right? You're not supposed to even be in the game because you're 18. Yeah. Yeah. You can do the same thing for real estate, food, beauty, makeup, water, fashion, fitness. It doesn't matter what category you're in. By you being the one to host an event, guess what? Your phone book is now Manny Koshman and Supercar Blondie and all the biggest people in the car space before your event has ever even happened, <laughs> right? Like you don't even have a schedule yet for what's going to happen on Sunday, June 15th. Like the reason I say the event side of things is people remember experiences. All these billionaires and zillionaires in my phone, those are from experiences. Those are not from Dan, the introvert, pitching them something. That's not going to build a relationship with them. They can have anything. They don't... Me making them money is not going to do anything to impact their life, right? I have to create experiences. I have to do charity events. So they're going to come because of the charity event. They want to have an impact on people. And so that's why I'm part of why I'm so active in charity and live events is it brings people together and so much stuff happens and I get to be the host of that. And it's just like instantly there's credibility when you know Manny sees that you're bringing you know, Supercar Blondie and he's like, Oh, well, this guy is in my caliber, right? Yeah. And you're instantly taken as seriously as who was your role model before, somebody that seemed out of your league. And you know, with my own experience hosting events, I, I will get somebody like Jessica Killings to come speak. And then other people who are of similar caliber will want to be on that stage too. They'll want to be on a panel. They'll want to meet the other speakers. And then instantly I'm on the same stage as them or you're on the same stage as them, you know, whether it's Wiz Khalifa or Chase Hero or any of those guys, it's, uh, you instantly elevate yourself to that level. And I think, I'm, I'm really glad you provide an example of how an 18 year old can do it. Cause there's really, I mean, like legally, you just can get, you can get started. There's no reason to hesitate or say, there's no, any reason I can't do this. And that's really like, you know, what I've gathered from your entrepreneurial mindset is just like, just run right over the hurdles. Don't hesitate, don't ask, permission. Don't look up the rules. Just do it. Just all you have to do is research what everybody else is doing. So if you know you love the the huge Barrett Jackson car show and you want to make a mini version, just research everything about Barrett Jackson on their social media, their Yelp reviews, their live events, their videos, their YouTube, their podcasts, their people that have, who are following them, who are they following? Research everything about Barrett Jackson, the biggest car show on the planet, and then make your own version. 
when I say to go through an event, you still need a checklist of stuff. You still want it to like be cool, right? Like you still want it to look good, feel good, execute properly. And so because of that, go look at what people are doing and make a big checklist. Here's the 32 things that have to happen for my events. Most of them don't cost anything. If it costs money, see how you can get it sponsored. Mm-hmm. And by default, people will want to sponsor it because he did all these other things. Like, oh, Manny's coming. Supercar Blonde is coming. Ferrari of Orange County is coming. Lamborghini of Newport Beach is coming. Of course, the water company wants to sponsor it. And the pillow company wants to give you pillows for everybody as a present. And Apple wants to show up and have a booth there. Those things are all free because they want to be around those people by association. Absolutely. Yeah, I noticed that when I did events, it was way easier to get sponsors than I thought. Like they were eager to be a part of it. People were offering money. And like the biggest thing I was advised to that process was be careful about who you take money from because you don't want to like lose the, the heart and soul of your event. But like tons of companies throw product at it and you know, you can still take sponsorship money. Absolutely. Just draw, draw the lines on, you know, what role they play in it, I guess. Yeah. You can tell them what role they get to play and just be clear about that. The whole point of events is communication. Mm-hmm. If you say, Hey, fashionable, you can sponsor this event, but they can't be the title sponsor or they can't be having an hour on stage or they can't give everybody a gift bag. Or say, if you do choose this level of sponsorship, you can be the title or you can have an hour or you can't have the gift bag. You just be clear in your communication in advance of what you're offering as a sponsor. The biggest failure is not having communication, whether that's in relationships, businesses, sponsors, staff, speakers, clients, vendors, everything. Just being super, super, super clear about what you're going to provide and what you want from that. And as long as you always provide, like you said, and be impeccable with your word, you're going to throw events or have people build relationships for years. Absolutely. So like the, you keep dropping these little nuggets, you know, one of them, like the key is success in, in anything you do is clarity, which leads me to one of my questions I wanted to ask you, which was, what's something that you believe to be true that most people don't find true? I mean, <laughs> my, initial, my, my initial reaction is that people are sheep and they, they want to be told what to do. And a lot of people take offense to that, especially now in 2020, where everybody's offended by everything. <laughs> Snowflakes. It's just... People want to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. When you sit in a room with your friends and you say, hey, where should we go eat? And then they all say, I don't know. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? I don't know where you want to go. Never in my life did I ever not immediately say where I wanted to go eat. Hey, let's go to Olive Garden. Hey, let's go to In-N-Out. Hey, let's go to the Italian place. Hey, let's go to the sushi place. Never. Ever. You know why? I know what I like to eat. And I know that these people won't just say where they want to go. Do everybody want to go to sushi? No. Does everybody want to go to Olive Garden? No. Does everybody want to in and out? No. But I, by default, saved us a lot of time and energy. I said where we're going to go. And then they can say, oh, wait, no, I'd like to go to sushi instead of Olive Garden. Great. Let's go there. All right. Yeah, let's do it, right? By default, so many people are in that zone of like, what do you want to do? Well, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? And so I've always just been so matter of fact and direct with all my decisions, knowing that either they're gonna be wrong or they're not gonna be perfect or they can change. I don't mind any of that. I don't mind being wrong because I know I'm gonna be wrong. I do a lot of stuff. If I have dozens of, if I have dozens of companies and dozens of this and dozens of that, stuff's gonna happen. Whether it's my fault or somebody else's, scoreboard is a scoreboard, stuff's gonna happen. I don't mind messing up. I don't mind a bird pooping on my shoulder right now. If my 
headphones exploded right now and I had to like wipe them off and my hair was on fire, I would wipe it off, pour some water on and come back and talk to you guys. I don't, with missing hair, I don't care. I have no emotion to that. I know what I do in my work, in my charity, my passion, my execution, that I don't care if my beard is crazy or my hair goes on fire or my podcast mics or headphones go nuts. And so I think the biggest thing is that just being very, very clear that we are in a society where people have always wanted to be told what to do. And now more than ever, they're less decisive and it's scary. And so you can be a stronger person if you realize that you are not being rude or cocky or overbearing by just saying where you want to go eat or what you want to do tonight or where we should go travel or when we should meet up. If they say, oh, when should we meet up or when should I just say eight o'clock Tuesday, I'll see you there. Just say it. Literally, just say it, and you, they will be so happy with you. Girls, boys, friends, partners, vendors, clients, staff, just pick it. Just choose it. And mathematically, if you just do that, if you take that one bit of advice, I've just saved you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours for the rest of your life. Because those little one-minute, three-minute, two-minute little back and forths of nonsense, multiply that out by 30 times a month. That's an extra hour or two a month. That's 12 24 hours a year. I'm going to save you hundreds of hours of years of your life by just being clear with what you want. Cause you know what you want. You know, if you prefer Italian or sushi today. So I, I think there's a huge time return and I know that you like to quantify things and, and make it substantial so people can like grab onto that data point, like a few hours per month and just saved time by being direct and proactive about what we want. And, and people will naturally follow that or they won't and you discuss it, negotiate it out. But I think the, the, the less quantifiable but maybe more uh, impactful effect is the energy savings, right? Like we only have so much emotional energy to exert in a day. And if, if we're arguing or being indecisive about something, that's just like this like middle ground that's unproductive, the outcome, I mean, time just gets dragged out. Like, I mean, every time you've ever asked somebody where do you want to go eat, you could, you could spend an hour looking at Uber Eats and not find something. Right. It happens all the time. And, and if you take that example and apply it to somebody's whole life who hasn't really like nailed this one concept down yet, then they could be in that gray area or that like, you know, productivity purgatory on like a continual basis and not even know it. It's so important for people to look at every aspect of their life with clarity. And it's almost like ripping the bandaid off. If you're sitting in a meeting for two hours that should have been over in 45 minutes, it's your fault. That hour and 15 minutes is not just an hour and 15 minutes. It's that that meeting happens every week at your job. That's a hundred hours a year of, extra nonsense that's crazy to times not just you there's seven of you in the room so 700 hours a year is wasted because nobody in the room would stick up for yourselves or just be clear we're going to make an agenda these are the six topics when we're over with that we all go back to our desks or go back to our computers and go do what we do you are hurting your boss by not saying hey our meeting should only be 45 minutes and here's our six topics literally hurting them financially, emotionally, physically. You're hurting your clients, your staff, your vendors, your partner. Everybody's hurt because you guys have two-hour meetings that should be 45 minutes. 
it's a weird thing to say or think about, but every aspect of your life is the same. Is that just by having clarity and having a time frame and having things and being clear about that with people, it changes your entire trajectory of your whole life. Wow. Yeah, I mean, to to watch somebody drag on in a meeting and for us not to be active and say something about it is merely a at least in my experience, a result of not wanting to be humiliated or rebuked or said wrong in any way. But again, there's nothing wrong with somebody else saying we're wrong. That's just their perspective. It doesn't actually change who we are. And even if even if you are wrong, it's okay to at least bring that to light so it can be discussed and then dispersed and, and, and done with. So Dan, one, one question I'm really curious about. I don't know much about your mindfulness habits, but you seem like a very mindful guy. Do you do you follow any kind of like morning routine or do you have habits like meditation and stuff or is it more just a, a whole lifestyle for you? Yeah, I think a, a Jim Quick or an Ed Milet can talk about their morning routine better than me. I'm addicted to my phone and execution and working. And so from a health perspective, I would not recommend don't do as I do, do as I say. <laughs> I think it's smart to, do, to go the route of, hey, don't look at your phone the first half an hour. Uh, smart some people do the super cold showers like those things are are cool it's just not me and maybe at some point that changes i do like meditation i do like the concept of it but again i'm not the one uh, the best proponent of it the same way that somebody like a jim quick or an ed my better qualified to talk about it just because the way i'm wired and so i think it's important to do those things depending on who you are and why and why you are yeah, I mean, for myself, I use those tactics, but I also have a, a disposition for distraction. You know, you seem naturally like more of a, a calm-minded, focused person. And so maybe you don't need to move along that equilibrium as much as I do in order to like keep a clear focus and to stay productive on certain tasks. And so that I think it becomes more necessary. And that's why I don't necessarily, like, I'm in the same camp as you. I don't necessarily think that everyone should be prescribed it because you might not need it. You know, it's a prescription at the end of the day. If you don't have a pain point for it, then. So another thing that's really fascinated me is, uh, I mean, you're very knowledgeable, right? Years of experience, but like, how do you approach learning? Do you do it through reading or podcasts or YouTubes? Like what's your favorite way to learn and best way for like uh, digesting knowledge? Yeah, I'm an obsessive stalker of my competitors and my industry. Hmm. So I'm constantly watching what everybody's doing and I'm seeing why. Why did they fire that person? Why did they hire that person? Why did Spotify spend so much on Joe Rogan? Why did TikTok bring over the head of Disney to make him the new CEO? Even if they're not my actual competitors, I wanted to understand the industry of the why on all sides of it. Why would Joe, why would Joe Rogan agree to this? Why, does, why is this good for Spotify? Why is this big deal for TikTok? Why would why would Kevin Mayer leave Disney after decades of being there to do this? Like thinking about it and then diving down the rabbit hole and researching online. Most of my reading is done online. So I do like books, but most of the time my phone is, I'm getting 800 texts a day on average. And so my phone is just like, it's, it's overwhelming. And so it's hard for me to just be at peace reading a book. And so because of that, I'm doing most of my reading online. And it's a lot of research of the industry and, certain tech publications and saying what's happening on TechCrunch? What are these people doing? Why is this company doing X, Y, and Z? And that's where a lot of my learning comes from. And the most, I'd say more than anything is from my peers. I'm constantly, when those things happen, 
I'm taking those news articles and sending them to people relevant in the space and saying, hey, my best friend is the founder of Marvel Studios and he was bought by Disney. First thing I did when that Disney thing with TikTok happened, I was like, hey, what are your thoughts? My other friend, a multi-billionaire guy from Dubai, he's one of the biggest investors in this whole scenario. I sent him the article and I'm like, tell me your thoughts. And so I want to hear from people relevant to the space. When the Joe Rogan thing happened, I'm sending it to the Wolf of Wall Street. I'm sending it to other people at podcasts, Jim Quick. I send it to people at podcasts to hear what they think. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I'm posting it, certain articles I post to get the DMs to hear what those people think. So I want to hear small, medium, large, and supersized. I want to hear what everybody's thoughts are. When I say small, I'm saying, I want to know what the fans and followers are thinking. Do they think that's evil that he joined TikTok or genius? Do they think that Joe Rogan deal is epic and amazing or I'm confused. Why do I think, why is he going there? I don't have Spotify. You know, like I want to see what people are thinking on every level. It sounds like all of their responses could be turned into amazing social media content. And I know you do produce a ton of it, you know, like somebody like Gary V does, but even having that narrative between them just for your own personal knowledge and growth is incredible. I mean, who thinks of, of connecting two power players like that, but it makes sense and it's relevant to them. So when people say your network is your net worth, it's true in different versions. It doesn't always have to be financially true the way that people look at it. It's that your mindset becomes different when you're interacting with people that are of different levels, whether it's career-wise, age-wise, et cetera. You're going to learn different things from them that when they're active in a certain category or space. And so I try to create multiple different networks. I have a big real estate network. I don't invest in real estate. I will. I don't. However, I'm learning because at some point I want to go crazy heavy in real estate, right? And so I'm constantly learning from my real estate friends and talking to as many people as I can in the space, building up that network. I don't use beauty products. However, I interact with the biggest people in the beauty space all the time because I want to learn the whole beauty category. At some point, I might make a major investment into the beauty category. I ended up buying a quite a big piece of a company called Caviar and Cashmere, a skincare related product. But I want to understand the whole beauty category because this company, because since I went so heavy on it, may end up having other types of products outside of the main three skincare products that they create. And so a lot of times I'm networking with people, even if I'm not currently in that space, right? I don't own a car, but I want to hear what all the car people are saying because a guy like Manny Koshbin I went to his place two days ago because he buys $26 million of cars, but he spent like 16 or 18 million to get them. So he looks at them as an investment while other people buy fancy cars. They go down a price. He'll buy a car for 1.8 and sell it for 2.6. And it's like, talks about like it's normal, right? So there's different levels of that. If you want to own a restaurant one day, make friends with restaurant managers and owners. Even if you're not going to do it for two years, three years, four years, five years, 10 years, who cares? Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me to be around people in different categories to learn about beauty, restaurant, cars, real estate, et cetera. It's just like learning from the best, right? So for for somebody to walk into Los Angeles and see who you're connected to, the Kardashians, Mark Wahlberg, like all these people, like it's easy to just see the surface there, but behind the front is years and years of just networking with people who inspire you. It's really that simple. And, and soon you're at their level or above their level in terms of you know success or whatever you're, you're following. 
as you are networking, people are going to introduce you to other people that are similar or that you could provide value for or vice versa. And so you might meet a important character in the fitness space who then introduces you to somebody that's big in the real estate space, who then introduces you to the biggest podcaster. Think about how different those things are, yeah. but it, it happens by starting at the beginning. That's why I call like a snowball turning into an avalanche. Just got to get the snowball going. Go to those events, meet those people, follow them on social media, interact with them. And then when you meet this character, she may introduce you to the other characters in that category. But then a lot of fascinating things happen where their other friends are in a completely different category. And all of a sudden you just start to like branch out your network all throughout a city like LA. Yeah. And as long as you keep your word, everyone has something good to say about you. Mission critical. All right, Dan. Well, I know you're a super busy man and I feel really honored to have you on the show and uncovering some stones that I've never heard before from you. So uh, that's really some, some serious knowledge bombs and I appreciate that and I'm sure everyone listening will. So in order for us to kind of repay the favor, um, how can we best support you? Is that going and following uh, one of your new companies on Instagram or is it supporting and buying the 100 million mastermind? Like direct us where to go. Yeah, so... All my social media is the same. It's just at Dan Fleischman. That's also important for you guys. Make your bio and screen name the same on every platform to make it easier for people to find you. And yeah, just supporting what I'm up to or replicating it. So you don't have to donate to my charity. Copy it. Do your own version of it in your own local city or town. Amazing. Well, I think that's a great place to tie off. I, I do want to acknowledge you for your charity because I have a very close family member who's been homeless for years and he's now out of it thanks to people like yourself a great charity and support system have, have helped him. So really big hat tip there. And I'm glad to be a part of it here, even at a distance for him. So with that, thank you so much, Dan Fleischman. And any last remarks you want to share with the audience? Just get started. Perfect. I'll leave it right there. All right, brother. Appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. Talk soon.